I'm Scott. This is Gavin. And I'm Craig. This is going to be great. Pointless podcast bollocks. Can't you just try and enjoy yourself? I'm not keen on dogs with tails. Craig, what are you talking about? Sick of him, and I'm sick of you. Chill the fuck out, man. <laughs> Jeez, I'm scared to say anything now in case I sound like another Jim Henson creation. Talking bollocks again, are we, Scott? I had a goldfish called Pete for 23 years. It wasn't the same fish, you just bought a new one every time it died. I know, that's what I mean. Welcome to Major's Mess Hall. Right, go on, switch that off. Come on. Here we are, episode 53 of Major's Mess Hall podcast. I am Gavin, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Scott and Craig. How's it going, guys? Hey, hey what's up, At least let me finish before you butt in with the hey. <laughs> well, you, you already announced me, so I just said hi. God. Right, okay, this is a really big episode for us because we've got a really big guest um, our guest is uh, Jonathan Torrens. Um, if you don't know who Jonathan Torrens is, then switch off now because you shouldn't be listening. No, um, Jonathan Torrens is a Canadian actor. He's best known for playing J-Rock in the Trailer Park Boys, but he's done other shows like uh, Mr. D, Street Sense, John O'Vision. I mean, that's just to name a few, to be honest. This, this guy's done so much, and um, he's just an amazing person, and we've wanted to talk to him for a long time. He also does a podcast called Taggart and Torrens, which is uh, him and... Uh, Jeremy Taggart, who is the uh, ex-drummer of uh, the Canadian rock band Our Lady Peace. And it's a really good podcast. Me and Scott really enjoy listening to it. Um, as soon as it comes out, we listen to the you know the latest episodes. And uh, I've been and seen them on tour because they do live stage, stage shows. Scott is going to see them on tour. And uh, they just announced that they're starting uh, to shoot uh, the pilot for a TV show for Taggart and Torrens. And they're shooting the pilot in Halifax this month. And I'm going with our, with our friend Kirk. And we're taking our um, better horse with us as well. But the interview itself, me and Scott did the other day. And, I mean, Scott, how amazing was it? You know what? It, it's, it's, we chased them down. Well, you chased them down for so long. You, you know that when we finally got to talk to him. I honestly, I had a big smile on my face the whole time, man, because I couldn't believe I was talking to Jonathan Torrens, man. I mean, you know, we're all big Trailer Park Boys fans. I was I was talking to my, to my wife before, and Trailer Park Boys is probably the only thing that the three of us have got in common, when you think about it. I mean, I've got a lot in common with Scott and a lot in common with Craig, and you guys have got a lot in common with each other. But this is like the one thing that the three of us have got in common. So, And obviously this podcast has started because of Trailer Park Boys, and you know, I'm sure there will be listeners, you know, people listening to this podcast now that have never listened to us before, uh, Trailer Park Boys fans, most likely. And uh, yes, you know, we have had uh, cast members on in the past, and uh, you know, Jonathan um, was was one of our favourites to interview. Uh, it was just fantastic to talk to him. So just being Trailer Park Boys fans and being able to talk to him, it was just amazing. But he's a great guy anyway. I, I've met him a few times in person, and um, I mean, you'll you'll hear in the interview. You know, we kind of go over the stuff that we spoke about when we met previously but i mean just absolutely great you know he gave us almost an hour of his time um, and we were only looking for like 20 25 minutes yeah. you know and and he was easy to talk to laid back guy funny 
You know, he asked us about us. You know, it wasn't all about him. And, man, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, it was great. I mean, Scott also mentioned there that I was the one that got the interview. And and if you've listened to previous episodes of our podcast, as in the last two episodes, especially the last one we had a bit of an argument on on, uh, and uh, regarding Scott not making the effort with guests. So, Scott, look, this is what happens when I take the the reins. I've got us a good guest. Do you want to tell people the fucking shit you, you almost caused the other day? Or do you want me to just play the messages now so everyone can hear what you did? Oh, for fuck's sakes, just go ahead and play it. Okay, Craig, you haven't heard this. Mm-hmm. Okay, Craig's never heard this before, but Craig is obviously he's a host as well, and he's aware of the shit that's been going on regarding Scott. <laughs> now, listen to this, okay. I... I've been chasing Jonathan for a while, trying to get him on the podcast because he's so busy. It's been really difficult to tie him down, and got to the point where he said, "Shoot me some dates, and we'll I'll, I'll pick a time within those dates." So I went to Scott and I said, "Give me the dates you're free." Scott gives me the dates he's free. I go to Jonathan, give him the dates. Took a while, uh, a couple of emails back and forth, um, and then I had to email him again. So I, I gave him the dates again, and. Scott sends me this message, okay? Now, bear in mind, Scott had told me that he was free uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Those were the days that Scott gave me uh, within time frames as well. And this was the message Scott sent to me after I'd already emailed Jonathan times. So listen to this. This Saturday, I am out of commission for, for most of the day. I gotta go to some orchards and all that for like apple picking and whatever. We go every year, but uh, yeah. So I hope that don't take but about four or five hours. So he was basically told me that he was going apple picking. So this was my response. I mean, I was fucking livid. I was in work driving a forklift around. I had to pull over and do this because I was livid. <laughs> Listen to this. Dude, if he picks fucking Saturday, man, and you're you're telling me you can't do this interview with Jonathan Torrens because you're going to pick apples, I'll be fucking annoyed. So I'm just letting you know that I have emailed him again today with the dates again. I'm also giving my phone number to contact me. But if he picks Saturday, man, you can't fucking you can't do that. You're gonna have to miss it. If he picks seven o'clock on Saturday, with seven o'clock my time, which is obviously what five o'clock your time, you can't be out picking fucking Granny Smiths. And I'm not joking, man. You can't... This is a fucking big one for us. <laughs> Craig, what do you think of that? What? Why? Do you want to do that sort of shit? Apple picking? <laughs> uh, the, the, the family goes like every... Uh... Oh, let your family go and you freaking stay at home doing the interview. There's going to be one. I did. Fucking hell, man. No, but it wasn't on but Saturday, I... though. I'd like to know what you'd do if Jonathan had to pick that time. Well, I told you, because you already said 7 o'clock, and then I said I'd be back by the, before that anyway. I know, but imagine if, Jonathan, imagine if Jonathan said, oh, I can do it at this time, and it was bang in the middle of apple picking. What would you do? Well, I told you I was only like 10, 15 minutes away from home anyway. God, fucking apples. What, what's your obsession with apples? Not mine, just family time. You like family time. Yeah, but Apples. Yeah, they go apple picking, and then Karen makes, like, homemade apple pies. And, and t- talk about... Fa- no, 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 you know what? Right, okay, family time. This is family time for me on Saturday. Saturday's my sixth wedding anniversary, and I was booked to go out for a meal that night. And we're still going, because we've already done the interview now. But if Jonathan had said, well, I'll do it Saturday night, I would have cancelled my, my... And that's the truth, and you can even ask Dina. 
because it was already Dina has literally booked the table yesterday because she was waiting to see if Jonathan was going to pick Saturday. So that's that's my commitment. Family time's a fucking backbench for me. This podcast, man. <laughs> and there's you fucking stood in the field picking fucking rosy reds. God. But it didn't go down like that. We were lucky. You were fucking and lucky. I w- and I wouldn't have missed it anyway. I would have been home, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Right, moving on. Right, so uh, we're going to do a quick recap of what the three of us have been up to because I know that you know we've, we've all been really busy, especially Craig. So I, uh, I'll start <laughs> with myself. Earlier on this week, Dave uh, Murray from Maple Syrup Shots came all the way down from Saskatchewan um, to spend time with uh, family in Nova Scotia and he took time out of his day to come and hang out with me and my family uh, and, and he, his family was with him as well. Really nice guy. I mean, I I really like Dave anyway, but to meet him in person was, was just was just fantastic. It just makes me sad that people like that and and even like Scott as well, and obviously Craig. Now that I don't live there anymore. Like all my, all these great people don't live near me, and it's it's frustrating. The best people live far away. So spending time with him was just great, and we went for fish and chips because as a I've spoke about it before, but that that place that I really liked it here because. There's nowhere that does good fish and chips here apart from Fries and Co. in Halifax. So we took him there and he loved it. And, um, yeah, it was just really nice. We went out for drinks afterwards and uh, uh, previously in the daytime we went and we took a little walk around. You know that pond, uh, Sullivan's Pond, Craig? Mm. We went around there with the families and it was nice, really nice. He also gave me some shot glasses, some maple syrup shot shot glasses, um, which is uh, basically little shot glasses with the maple syrup shot logo on. He's given me three, and he's told me that uh, one is yours and one is uh, Scott's. So, I've thanks got a lot, here. Dave. Really appreciate it, man. Just leaving dead air there for Craig to come in with a thank you, but nothing. Uh, cheers. Fucking hell, man! What are you doing? <laughs> what? You can't. Do, you, you gotta like. T- you can't just go. Yeah, cheers. Like he, he fucking. He, it's fucking. It's glass, mate. He come all and the way I down with glass. I seen a picture of them and it looks really. They look really nice. Yeah, listen to them. That's the quality there of goes, them. There goes one. <laughs> he, he sent the. He could have popped one out and went just Gavin and Scott, but he didn't. He, he left the third one in there for you. All right. Right. I'm gonna give you a chance now to give a more, you know, authentic, and a nicer thank, thank you. Redeem yourself. What's his name again? Oh, my fucking <laughs> hell, mate. Are you having a laugh? Dan. Dan. Yeah, Dan. Oh. Yeah, thanks, Dan, for the oh, uh, little shot glass. Appreciate it. It's not Dan, Cheers. mate. It's not Dan, it's Doug. Go on. Whatever. Doug? Yeah, Doug. Go on. <sighs> Sick. Thanks for the shot glass, Doug. It was a appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Scott, I don't know what to do here now, mate. What do we do? What do we do? I, I, I'm lost for words on this one. So thanks, Dan and Doug and Dave. And, and you know, I really appreciate it. And I'm glad uh, Craig knows you well enough, too. You'll be fine. He'll be fine. Doug? Oh, Right, okay, we're going to move on now. So we've got, um, so Craig, yeah, tell us what you've done, seeing as we're already on you. 
The only thing I really done was uh, I went out Saturday nights with Leanne and some of her friends for a meal. Oh yeah, seen, called, seen the photos. Place called Hickory's. That probably does the best, like American meat, brisket, chicken, all that sort of stuff. I had the Texas style brisket. Fucking gouge. <laughs> just like just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant meat. Did you do it? Did you do uh, uh, tube steak there as well? Smothered in gravy. Uh, tube? No. Tube steak? Don't you do that? Well, maybe they did, but then we look at the steak you, tray. You gotta, you gotta smoke the tube steak. Yeah, it's normally smothered in underwear. Is it? Uh, right. Yeah. No, I've I've actually been to Hickory's, and it's a really, it is a really nice place. And uh, Craig, why don't we go there? We'll take care uh, Dina, Dina and Leanne with us when we go. Do if you want. Yeah, we'll just do that. We'll go and uh, we'll do a little restaurant review while we're there as well. It, it is really nice. It's a nice place. I've been twice. So we'll go Sounds again. good. Yeah, it's really nice. So is that all you've done, Craig? Yeah. One of the fellas that you were with looked a bit like Richard Branson. One of the who? Oh, fucking hell. One of the fellas, one of the men you were with looked like Richard Branson. All right. Wasn't him? No. Okay. Scott, very quickly, what have you been up to? Because we've got to get to this interview. I started off last week, man, with the wrestling show. I'm going back. Uh, uh, we got a partner in Backbreaker Wrestling. They've been helping promote us, and we, in return, pr- help promote them. And, you know, you made some audio clips for them that they absolutely love. You know, but, but you know, I went there to get my mind cleared because of a certain subject that we're going to talk about in a little bit here. And uh, it was depressing. It got depressing for me, man. So, but, yeah, I mean, other than work and that and trying to find a guest, you know how that goes. Trying to find a guest. Too little, too late, son. Okay, right, are we uh, ready to go to this interview? Let's go. Yeah, okay. Here's our interview with uh, Canadian actor Jonathan Torrance. Park life. So punctual, I love it. <laughs> I didn't know whether to call you like before or leave it for five minutes. I didn't want to be rude, so. No, seven's great. I love it. Right on the nose. <laughs> man, this is an honor to have you on the mess hall, man. How do you feel about the nickname Scoots? Hey, it, you know what? That wouldn't be the first time somebody called me that, so it, it's good. There you go, Scooter, Scott Free. Don't you think yeah. he, he sounds a little bit like a Matthew Broderick sounding mask? You know yeah, what? He is. You know what? We were interviewing LFO one time, man, and and they could have swore up and down they were talking to Matthew Broadwick, and I'm like, really? No. Yeah, I was like, no, man. <laughs> so it, it's, it's it's a cross between. You've been called worse by better people. So, <laughs> so uh, but we appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us, man. It, it's a uh, man. This is like something that we've been looking forward to. You know, like when we started. You were like our name that we really wanted on. Oh, no way. Yeah. My pleasure. It's long overdue, and thanks for your patience in uh, finding a time that works for everyone. Well, hey, th- no thanks problem. for accommodating us as well, because I know you said that evenings aren't great, and I totally understand that, because I'm, I'm assuming it's because of the kids, because I've got kids as well. and It is, yeah. Trying to get them settled, you know, it's not always, you, you can't bank on it, you just don't know how well it's going to go, so. 
Well, especially um, now that they're back in school, they were ready to go and really fired up. But my wife and I are gutted because <laughs> we were having such a great summer together and we became really clingy and didn't want them to leave and, you know, floated the idea of homeschooling just to see if they'd consider it. But <laughs> we weren't serious. But um, <laughs> suffice to say, there's a small window from the end of school till bedtime and you like to maximize it wherever possible. <laughs> but we're good. And you made uh, the summertime, well, on your guys' uh, Taggart and Torrance podcast, it, uh, you made it sound so, like, fun. You said doing the white thing and uh, dancing out on the deck and all that and just having a fun time with the family. And Well, my wife really um, has taught me so a lot in so many ways, but one of the big epiphanies I had was I was telling her how great it is. You know, I can work from home and I'm here and I'm dad and I'm getting some work done, but I can help. And she finally said, I think you should designate specific hours for each because you're probably not doing either to the best of your ability. And she said it gently and lovingly, but it was like, <laughs> oh my God, you're right. I'm trying to type an email with one hand and trying to wipe a kid's face with the other one. And I'm probably not giving either of my best attention. So the nice kind of... um offshoot of that is now I try to designate office hours and they just pretend I'm not here. So <laughs> from nine to one, I'm not, I'm not there, but then when I'm there, I'm there. And that is, as you guys know, in this day and age, the real challenge being present and putting your phone down, picking your kid up. And the nice thing is now that I know I have limited office hours, I try to really make them count. Yeah. Well, it's, it's as well as like, I mean, then the kids notice as well. Like if you're on your phone and they notice before you realize what you're doing is because when I uh, put my little girl to bed, like we 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 have this playtime. I, I don't like reading stories, so we'll just get the toys out and we'll we'll just act out a little game with the you know a, a cuddly toys basically. And like I'll be in the middle, I'll like get my phone and I'll be reading a text, and and then I'll notice that she's sitting there really quietly, just waiting for me to stop. And it's like my heart breaks. And I know. The, the phone gets turned off. Then I'm like, no, this isn't right. You know, I can at least you know, dedicate the 20 minutes it's going to take to play with her before bedtime. You know, without looking at my phone. Well, of course, and. Your kid saying, Daddy, can you please put your phone down, has to be the most devastating sound <laughs> <It is. laughs> to uh, an adult male's ears. It's, it, you just feel so small. <laughs> and I did a show a few years ago, well, probably 10, 12 years ago now, called The Kids Are In Charge. Right. It was for the Travel Channel in the States. And you take a family away on vacation, and kids make all the decisions about what they eat, what they spend, what activities they do. One of the funny things was they had to pick a romantic activity for the parents, and it was often like air-to-air -air combat lessons. <laughs> like a kid's idea of what was romantic was so different. But inevitably, they got to do some really cool activities, and at the end of every week, you do the exit interview. What was your favorite part? What did you enjoy? And almost exclusively, their favorite part was, I got to swim in the pool with my dad for two hours. Aww. And it, it was just such a great reminder that time is, the most important thing and the big cliche is it goes by fast and it really does yeah it really and you just does. have to soak it up while they want anything to do with you you better embrace that because it won't last no no as soon as they get into the teenage years like that that's it they don't want to you're not cool anymore <laughs> dude there's already my daughter's seven there's already some light eye rolling and, <laughs> and, and some like some shoulder shrugging like that starts now oh my gosh <laughs> so next month is a big big uh big month for you guys you guys start your uh canadianity tour but also your book comes out and man 
from the time that you announced it to now, it's gone fast. Uh, Has it? I would have yeah. felt, said it felt like it's been such a long time. I can't remember what famous author said. I don't like writing. I like having written. And I can so relate to that feeling because it felt like a bit of a grind between the um, internal wrestling match over whether what you're writing is interesting at all and having this looming uh, word count, um, like 80,000 words the book had to be. So you'd write, you know, I'm from PEI and it was a pretty cool place to grow up and, uh, you know, pretty idyllic childhood. Okay, there's 63 words. <laughs> uh, what else? So we came up with the framework that every chapter is set in a different province in Canada, which felt like a natural kind of uh, clothesline for us. And then we enlisted the help of BUD ambassadors in every province to suggest uh, some hot spots for nightlife and some good restaurants and some good kind of off-the-beaten-path local tips. Um, so it's part travel guide and part tales from the road. And uh, I think one of the big challenges, of course, was when two people write one story, uh, having kind of a cohesive narrative that makes sense and is entertaining and is uh, equal parts, each of our voices, and hopefully representative of the podcast, but hopefully not so inside baseball that it's alienating to people that have never listened to it before. Um, and I think I think we struck a pretty good balance in the end. You know, I, I can't wait to read it. I mean, I'm from the Chicago area, but I, I've been uh, venturing up to Halifax to go see Gavin. Uh, I've been there a couple times, and then uh, next month I'm venturing up to Toronto just to come see your show when it opens up at no the Great way. Hall. Yeah, man, I'm I'm taking that ten hour tour, and and no rolling way. up there. Yeah, I swear, man. Well, let me buy you uh, let me buy you a drink for your troubles and give you some gas money. <laughs> no, man, dude, I come. You, know, you guys, you guys entertain me so much week to week to week to week. Man, honestly, it's it's worth it. I uh, when I first found out about you guys, because uh, our friends at Maple Syrup Shots, they uh, you know, we heard you on there, and then I was intrigued about your podcast. So then for like two weeks straight, I binge listen to all your guys, you know, all your Oh, pots. nice. And, uh, well, no. speaking of inside baseball, how many references are lost on you or, or are the themes kind of universal enough that, that you can relate to most of it? Uh, a lot, man. A, a lot. I understand everything that's going on and all that. And you guys, you guys touch like emotions, man. You know, like I, I never listen to Tragically Hip. You know, I know that's a yep. sin. And then once you start talking about Gordy, that on I forget what episode it was. You know, I meant you touched emotions, man. You guys, you guys may not know, you know, because you guys are you know talking to each other, laughing and all that. But the listeners at home, man, you know, so many people. I hear, you know, how you go from laughing real hard, like last night's episode. You guys dropped one seventeen, and congrats on that. Uh, Thank you. It uh, it was so funny. The whole Donovan Sting kid, uh, <laughs> guys. You know, well, from the, the, the the cool thing about the podcast environment, as you guys know, is long form conversation is encouraged, and there are so few places nowadays in the world where you can actually have long form conversation and just kind of let it flow. We learned from our listeners quite by accident when we pursued those flights of fancy that people said, that's the stuff, that's the great stuff. And 
you know, in, in the space of one episode, we might talk about Jeremy's golf tournament um, to raise awareness about suicide and then talk about Andrea getting a new car lash for the Cavalier. <laughs> and hopefully the podcast is all the things that, you know, we are. It's sometimes sweet and sometimes silly and sometimes stupid and not everything works. But it's, to use an overused word nowadays, it's very authentic. And the biggest compliment we get is, you know, an email from someone who says, I'm going through a really hard time, listen to you guys an hour a week, and it just takes my mind off what I'm tangling with. Or we just had a kid and sleep is at a premium, but every night I walk the dog and I listen to you guys, and it's just been a real beacon for me in this time of change and uncertainty. Like that, that is real. And I always say Canadianity was a word that we made up facetiously, but our listeners informed us that, in fact, Canadianity is a big deal and it's very real and it really resonates. You know, uh, last year when you guys had your uh, uh, TNT tour in Halifax and uh, and Gavin went and got me a hoodie and a hat, you know, representing you guys. And, and nice. uh, so I wear that down here, the bod hoodie and all that. And everybody's like, what's that mean? <laughs> You know, and I'm like, oh, you got to listen to these guys, man. They're like so hilarious. You know, it's it's like you're actually sitting at like a dinner table with you guys and and, and enjoying the conversation, you know. And, well, that's a great compliment. But I know for a fact, having been there quite a bit, Chicago Anity has its own big beating heart. That's a great town. And I've never met anyone from Chicago that I didn't immediately feel a kinship with. Nice, man. I See, yeah. I have to, going back to the weird the word bad i have a trouble saying that because it's a, it's a whole pronu- pronunciation thing and i would because obviously it stems from the word bud and that's how i would say it is bud so obviously bad it just sounds bud. yeah yeah bud yeah it just sounds different when i say bad because it's so it just <laughs> sounds so alien to me but i'm getting used well, to it it sounds like you're saying bad yeah bad. yeah but i'm getting used to it because there's some of our friends well, it's funny like, because uh jay onright and dan o'toole we're spelling it B-A-W-D. How's it going, Bob? <laughs> and we had to have this kind of mini summit about like, okay, we need to nail down a spelling of it and we should all <laughs> use the same one because if Bodhism is a movement that's here to stay, uh, a religion in fact, then we should make sure we spell it the same way. So I think they've allowed that it's B-A-H-D and that's universal spelling now. And it's funny because when you type it in on an iPhone, or at least on my phone and a couple of our friends as well, when we type the word bad in, it, it automatically does it all in capitals. So now every time you type bad, it's almost like you're shouting at people because we're really good friends with Wes. Like, Wes is a regular guest on our podcast. And oh, we'll, great. We'll be texting Wes and, like, it'll, he'll be saying bad and it's coming up in these big letters and we're like, we just leave it alone because, it, I mean, it's nice that it's the one word that shows up really big. Well, speaking of which, that was one of the big decisions we had to make with the book. My tendency was to write it uppercase every time I, I wrote it. And the editor said, well, that kind of suggests it's an acronym. Yeah. So do you think it should be either lowercase italicized or uppercase B, like a proper name? And yeah. so much discussion went into what the actual spelling should be. And what I did you say? I remember where we landed. <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's just lowercase. Oh, see, I would have went with the uppercase. <laughs> all the way through so what I'll do is I'll buy a copy of the book and if you could just fix that for me on every page that'd be great sure how hard could that be <laughs> it's only 80,000 words man. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but so what made you go with the the long 
like title Canadianity Tales from the True North strong and freezing. <laughs> what where did that originate? <laughs> well, I've gone much longer for a p- good pun. Um, the book publisher was suggesting when we were trying to come up with the title, Canadianity was a given. But there were all kinds of little tricks. For example, if we said tales and tips from across the country, then suddenly the book would be found in the travel section of the bookstore, which doesn't get as much traffic. Ah. Interesting tidbit. So their suggestion was it would be great if you could include keywords that people are apt to search. So, for example, Canadianity, from Gretzky to Bieber to Alicia Cara to The Weeknd to Drake or whatever, (laughs) so that anytime someone searches even one of those things, it comes up. up. But that felt pretty pretty deceitful somehow. (laughs) So... Um, Tales from the True North, Strong and Freezing felt like it kind of covered it. It was a little bit cheeky, but it's kind of accurate. And, uh, yeah, that's what we opted to call it. So I, I don't have my citizenship yet, and I've got to do it soon. And, and they do this crazy, you've got to do like a test. They ask you all this information about Canada that most Canadians probably don't even know the answers to. Is there, yeah, do you right, think this book? Sure. Do you think this book will help me? If I, I'm going to get the book anyway. But do, you think it, <laughs> do you think it will help me? Well, if only there were... If only there were pop culture chapters on your citizenship test. Um, it certainly will give you a good, uh, I've been calling it Canadianity like Canada for dummies, because it kind of is a good background primer on pop culture references for like the dinner party circuit. Or uh, as I say in the forward to the book, you know, um, maybe someone gave this to you as a joke primer because you just got transferred to Toronto, or maybe your aunt gave it to you for Christmas because she doesn't know you very well. Or maybe you had to use an Indigo gift card before it expired. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it will probably, it's definitely in the proud tradition of bathroom readers. It's the kind of book you can pick up and read a page or two and then, you know, set it down for eight months. Are you going to be selling the books on tour? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to buy a couple from you. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is you do podcasts, as you guys know well, for no money. So right. what do we do to support our habit of doing podcasts for no money? We write a book in Canada for no money uh, <laughs> to support our habit. But, yeah. but you guys are taking the podcast one step further, though, and jumping on the small screen, which you guys are shooting the, pre, uh, the pilot next month. Or, yeah, next month, right? This month. No, this month. Uh-huh. This yeah. month. So yeah, how a couple do you... weeks. Yeah, Man, I'll, I'll a... be there. I'm going. I'm, I think I'm going with Kirk. You know, our, our buddy Kirk nice. the ghost. So yeah, yeah, I'll, awesome. I'll see you there. Awesome. Look forward to it. Um, so I can assure you that if I didn't feel it would naturally make the transition, it's not something we would pursue. Um, but in talking about the show, it really comes down to three elements. One is kind of stories. The other is kind of sketch. And the other is kind of silly party games. And most of those things work in a live environment. Like the characters have come alive to such a degree that I want to see Andrea and Laramie's apartment. And I think most of our listeners do too. Definitely. Yeah, I want to see Donovan and Phil in the booth. Salvador. Joe and Gino as kids, Salvador and Brie Ashley. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of like Bonnie and Wolfman Jack. <laughs> there are a lot of characters yeah. that have resonated with people to such a degree that um, it feels like a pretty natural extension to try to bring those 
to bring them to life on screen a little bit. And we've kind of had the luxury of 117 hours to figure out what works best. Um, and so I think to put together a TV show would be fairly easy, just born out of things that we know and love already. And that's not like, are you guys still going to continue doing the podcast if the TV show takes off and gets of bigger? Course. That's good yep, to know. I mean, of course. like like you say with the characters as well, you're listening along and automatically, like you you start imagining what these characters look like. Like, and I don't always I don't always picture you guys as well. Like, you know, I'll picture just like random faces. Sometimes they're famous people already. I mean, obviously some of them are real people, but um, it will be really nice and funny to actually see these characters in person. Well, the funny thing is when we suggested that people make a poster for Andrea and them, almost all of the um, listeners' interpretations of who Andrea is were completely in sync with how I pictured her. It, it, often cases, they took my actual face and photoshopped it into an existing <laughs> photo, often of Rebel Wilson, fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, but same thing with Bonnie, same thing with Joe and Gino, obviously, though there are more concrete references for those guys. Um, I just think that we've tapped into this uh, frequency where everyone listening and both of us making it speak the same language. And uh, once people buy in and come along for the ride, you can kind of do anything. And that's really fun. One of my uh, all-time favorite TNT uh, episodes, I forget what number it is, but it caught me off guard because you guys went on a cruise and you guys acted out every character. That's one of my favorite episodes. And, and and in my head, I'm trying to picture these people all mingling together, you know. And I'm always rooting for Andrea, you know. So, and then the whole Wolfman Jack thing, and and uh, it, it it you guys, you are amazing, man. You guys are are brilliant, you know. And thank you. That was an episode that um, we were both kind of gobsmacked at how it came together. We didn't really have a template of any kind. And I think if you listen, you can hear the delight in our voices as we surprised each other with who kind of showed up character-wise at different times. The thing that, though all the characters on the surface are quite different, the thing that unites all the people I do is that they're not feeling sorry for themselves. And someone like Andrea, I feel like I know her and I feel like I love her so much that I, that I want to um, represent her properly. She's not feeling sorry for herself at all. And that's a really endearing trait. And I think it's true of J-Rock. I think it's true of my character on Mr. D. It's true of Bonnie. Bonnie, as I've mentioned, is based on my wife's aunt who lives alone. She's 90. She's not feeling sorry for herself at all. She has a great life. And I think as long as you're um, coming from a place of loving tribute, then there's nothing sad about it. Totally. You know, with talking about this, this is going to be a hard question, I think. But who is your favorite character that you you know that you love just getting in the getting into? Huh. I mean, I, Bonnie is kind of a layer on Andrea. It's Andrea. <laughs> she's she's the love of my TNT life. <laughs> I was going to say Bonnie because I have uh, there's an extra layer of affection for her because she's based on someone I care quite a bit about. But right. Andrea is um, just so 
her her default is so chipper and optimistic and i think i can really relate to that because it's my default too and <laughs> she just is like teflon nothing sticks her feelings don't get hurt she feels bad for other people like she's just a doll you can't help but like her oh yeah if there's more people in the world like andre the world would be a better place definitely for sure, and and I, someone asked me around the fifth season of Trailer Park Boys if I felt bad for J-Rock, and I swear it had never occurred to me that you would, and I think partially that's because if you're playing a character that's kind of vulnerable, you can't judge them as you're playing them. You have to be them and see the world through their, um, through their lens. You know, not to overthink a dumb voice I do on a podcast once every three weeks, but I, I do kind of you know, like I say, buy into Andrea's world and want the best for her, as corny as that may sound. The best bits for me as well is when you guys break character and you just start laughing. Like, those, those little moments are so, <laughs> yeah. so funny because you'll be in the middle of, and you'll, you'll say something and it'll just get you and you'll just start giggling. <laughs> well, well he, he almost lost it yesterday or when they were doing the Donovan Sting and you guys were... You guys were going back and forth with the queen. <laughs> oh no! And, and and you just heard you you you're getting ready to giggle, but then you like refrain from it, man. And <laughs> I, I like like Wes said earlier on on a tweet, man. You you can't be drinking anything when we're listening, to you guys, because <laughs> we feel bad for the people in front of us, man, or my computer screen at work. Because like when I get stressed at work. I always, always have you guys on hand, man, and I listen to you guys like religiously. Oh, I appreciate it. And what do you do for work? I'm a uh, dispatcher for a midnight dispatcher for a trucking company. No way. Yeah, so, so I you're just, on the graveyard. Uh, yeah, and it's just me, you know. So I turn you guys up pretty loud, man. You know, on 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 the third shift, it's just me. How so many it, trucks do you have out on the road? Um, all together with the five companies, we got about 196. Holy cow. Yeah, so, I mean, we do a lot through the Midwest, and then we got, like, a Savannah office, Atlanta office. Uh, they're talking about doing Nashville, you know, which I know you like Nashville. It's a <laughs> but, great town. You know, when we were first talking about uh, wanting to see if we can hopefully bring you on, and I was like, well, he said he, he bought a condo in Nashville or he's always there. I go, man, I would drive to Nashville if, if, if it's what it takes. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, oh, I appreciate it. Because honestly, talking to you is like a huge moment for me, you know, because I, I just or you started... thought it was. Now it's actually quite underwhelming. <laughs> You're like, you know what? That's... I kind of bigged it up in my mind. It wasn't nearly what I'd hoped. Well, there's, no, one, there's, there's one thing I really want to talk to you about, which is so random, but it's important to me, and that's kidney stones. Because <laughs> I've had yeah. kidney stones, and I'm the guy that tweeted you saying I had the 9 millimeter kidney stone. And I know, I, I know that you, you wondered about, because you, you passed yours naturally, didn't you? I did, yes. Okay, so my, obviously mine was too big for that. So, so when I went, first of all, I had pain. I went to the hospital. They didn't know what it was. They did all kinds of like, prostate exam and everything which I actually asked for because I was in that much pain I was like just check and then and then they sent me for like this scan so they, they did this scan I can't remember the name of the scan and they just found out that it was a kidney stone and they said the thing is it's too big so we're going to give you more more morphine now and some morphine pills to take home with you and we're going to get you in tomorrow and we're going to we're going to go in and get it and I was like go in and get it like what what, what do you mean and he said okay well we're going to go into 
your horn, as you guys call it. We we call it a knob. So let's just go with knob. We're gonna go. We're gonna go into your knob, yep. and we're gonna <laughs> and we're gonna blast it with a laser. And I was like, okay, you know, and they're like, you won't feel anything. You'll be, we'll, we'll put you under, and you know, it'll be fine. So I went in the next day, and the doctor's explaining the procedure to me. And he's drawing all these diagrams and stuff, and he says, okay, so this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna go in, blast it, and then we're gonna pull out the the pieces that we can. This is all through all through your urethra, by the way. Like, the, the, whoa, the, yeah. I mean, you're asleep. You obviously don't feel it, but just the thought of it is just crazy. And then they said, and then there's still going to be bits in there that we can't get. So what we're going to do is we're going to leave a. It's called a stent. We're going to leave a stent up inside your kidney with a piece of string that's coming out the end of your knob. And then come on. And then three days later, you're going to pull it out. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh my god! I was like, I've got to pull it out. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna pull it out. And they were like, it's fine. It just feels just like a woman pulling a tampon out. And I was like, funny enough, I don't know what that feels like. And they were like, oh no, right. it's, it doesn't hurt. You'll be totally fine. Like if if you feel that you know you try and it and it doesn't want to come out, like it, it will. But if you feel it won't, then you can come in and we'll do it for you. It's like, oh Jesus! So for three days after, I had this piece of string hanging out the end, and there's a, a long piece. I've, I think I've still got it somewhere. I cleaned it, obviously, but I've saved what? it. What? Yeah, I've, I'll, I'll show you. It's got it's just long piece of plastic with a piece of string it, off the end. It's got. It looks. So, like... what song did your horn play when you pulled the string out? <laughs> Seriously, like right? A slide whistle. So, so what you have to do is he said, get in the shower and and uh, you need to basically pee. And while you pee and pull it out, so there's a constant flow while you're pulling oh, it out. Oh my god! So I said, okay. So I was I sagged myself up. I hardly slept the night before. So the, the morning, three days later, I got in the shower. And I'm pulling, I'm, eyes are closed, I'm peeing and I'm pulling the string out. And then I run out of arm. So like I'd pulled my arm as far as it would go and, and I didn't want to look. So I didn't know what, what, you know, what I would see. So then I, I literally just had to sort ah. of back, like sort of back my, like my ass, if you like, against the shower, <laughs> shower wall to give me more, more, more leverage basically. And then it came out and as soon as it came out, it felt, it felt great. Like that it was finally out. And, uh, and and have you ever had it again? No, but you are prone to them um, after having them. So you've got to like they told me that it was it's calcium buildup. So I'm guessing it's drinking pop because I don't drink any form of alcohol. I love to drink soda, and dark soda is is the worst kind. So like you know Pepsi and, wow. and Coke and stuff. That's the worst thing for it. So and I always used to, I I also used to hammer um, tums and things like that for heartburn. And that that's like a cal that can cause like a calcium buildup as well. So I don't I'm not I don't take those anymore. I'm on proper prescription stuff for heart. Wow. Now, but I it was I, it was a that combination of that probably. Intel. Yeah. So like so basically just drink more water. So you can still drink pop, but don't don't just drink pop on its own because that's all I did. And now I, I drink water throughout the day and I'll have a, a glass of pop at night, and I've been okay since. Wow. That is such solid intel, and I also learned your story that I got off very easily because yeah, they told me there was one in there and it was the size of a grain of sand Oh my and God. I think they tell you that so that you won't get inside your own head about it it was more like a peppercorn and there were two of them oh man but wow. I, I was in San Diego when I when I started to have this pain and I called my wife and said I don't think I can fly home I, I, I don't know what's happening terrifying phone call for her to get obviously oh, yeah. Yeah. but I, I Advil'd my way home on, on the next day and uh sounds like I got off fairly easily. Yeah, I, I, compared to you. Well, they just said to me it's it's a really big one. Normally the average is like I think they said 
four, either four or five or five or six millimeters. This one's nine, and there's no way That's it's coming like out on its own. That's like parking a party bus where there's room for a Vespa. <laughs> well, I was more disappointed when I woke up. I said, Did you, have you got the stone? And they were like, no, we, we don't have it. I wanted to take it home with me. You know, you're yeah, in that right. much pain. I wanted like something to keep, so that's why I kept the stent. Because I was like, I'm keeping something. I'm gonna keep that. So it's somewhere around. I think the cat plays with it now. Just don't put it back in, man. <laughs> God. <laughs> no, it was I the worst pain I've age, ever felt. So I'm gonna back off the tums and I'm gonna switch up my mech. That's the headline. <laughs> yeah, the, the, those tums, man. I used to take them every single night for harping. It just even if I didn't have it, I'd pop one of those and I'd take that. And I did that for like two years straight. And I reckon it's that and, and just the constant drinking pop that caused it. So I had to make, make some big changes. Wow. But I just really wanted to talk know. to you about that because you'd said on the podcast that you were you were worry you were wondering how what they do if it's too big to pass. So that's what they do. Yeah. Messed Yikes. <laughs> so how you do just... you page turn from that? Sorry <laughs> yeah. about your horn, bot. Yeah, where do we go with that now? <laughs> It, it, we just went to silence, man. Thanks. Oh, another thing yeah. as well is moment of silence for your horn. Last time, I, <laughs> last time I seen you, um, I mentioned. Well, actually, you, you're really good at giving me parental advice at being a parent. Uh, the first time I met you, it yep. was about uh, you started to give my wife and me some advice about what it was going to be like to be parents because we, you were literally the first person we, we told that we were pregnant. We hadn't told anyone. No else. way. Yeah, you were the first person we told you at the uh, the premiere of the third Trailer Park Boys movie. And you just you just started to tell. I remember. Wow. Yeah, you just you just like you were like, this is what you do. You're gonna hold her hand when she, and you just like got us really ready for it. And 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 then when I knew I was gonna meet you again, we were pregnant again. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm gonna ask him if he's got any advice of what we're gonna do now that we've got another baby coming. Alice, my daughter, like what we, you know, she's gonna get jealous. Like what do we do? So I'd asked you at the at the uh, the last TNT show in Halifax, and you said to buy a gift. And give the gift to to my daughter, but from my son. So we did, and it went down. Did you a, do it? It went down a storm. It was absolutely the best piece of advice you could have given me. Like she she loved it. She still that plays with it now. That advice was given to me by uh, by Jason Priestley from oh, wow. 90210. I was working on a TV show with him in Nova <laughs> Scotia called Call Me Fitz, and he's a wonderful dude, really friendly and kind. And Carol was pregnant with Indigo when we were shooting the last season of it, and he said. It's a hot tip. It's so underhanded in some ways, but it works really well. So when you bring the older one to the hospital, there's a present from the baby. So the older one's first impression is, I love this baby. Yeah. The I one d- thing that I didn't do is uh, I prepped her for days beforehand. Um, you know, we're going to go to the hospital. Your mom's there. We're going to meet the baby. We'll go meet the baby and your mom will be there. So we went and the present happened and it was great. And as we were leaving, I said, so when the baby comes home, and I remember she stopped in her tracks and looked at me and said, <laughs> when the baby comes home, <laughs> I hadn't gone that far in my explanation. I didn't suggest that this was a permanent arrangement. Oh, so no. that was another conversation. <laughs> yeah. So are you finished at two or are you going to have more? Oh, no, that's it. That's, it's, we, I really wanted a son, and, and we got it. We got our son, Charlie. He's amazing. He's, he's, five, mo- he's five months old now. And as soon as he came out wow. and seen it was a boy, I said, we're done. I mean, to be fair, we probably would have been done had it, had it been another girl. But definitely, yeah. I mean, 100%. Now she's talking about me going and getting the snit, which I'm nervous as hell about because I've already messed around enough down there. But um, I'm told it's well, nothing I think like after what you've been through. That'll be like a picnic. That'll be nothing. That, that's what everyone's telling me. Everyone is saying it's like it's it. You just go in. It's a day thing, and you come out. So, 
it's still yeah. up for discussion. But I, I, the last thing I would do is is make my wife go in and have the the um, operation done because it's a bigger thing for a woman. So, yeah. Well, I have one friend who hasn't been able to ride his bicycle since he got it done, oh, but no. otherwise, it sounds like it's a pretty basic thing. Yeah, so I'm told. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm asking all the guys, like all the guys, like have you had it done? Have you had it done? All the guys in work, I'm going up and saying, have you had it done? And they're telling me some of them have had it reversed, which is crazy. You can have it reversed. So uh, I don't know. So, so got... because they changed their mind or because they changed their partner? <laughs> well, one guy. That's is like, a good question. Well, yeah, one guy that's had it reversed. He's he's in another relationship. He's got two older daughters, but the, he, then he met a younger woman, quite considerably younger, and she wanted a baby. So he said, oh, "I had it redone," wow. and yeah, and they've got a little boy now. So, um, yeah. So, have you got any advice for meal times? Because my daughter will not. She's fighting us on everything. She's she's she'll be three in November. And she fights, so she will not eat her food. Like, it's ridiculous. That's such a tough one. I mean, we have very fickle eaters in our house, too. But, you know, some some friends of mine have, you know, kids who are vegan or kids that love Indian food or kids that will experiment with anything. Um, I, I think I would be less concerned about what they eat and more concerned about establishing a ritual of dinner time and sitting down as a family, and no phones and no tablets, and conversation, even if it's hard. Um, I just think the ritual is so important. And, you know, even something like TV, we used to sit around as a family and watch it together and even kind of catch up during commercial breaks and stuff. Even the way we do that has changed. Yeah. So I just noticed in in the ritual of our day, it can get so busy, obviously, and, um, you know, kids have activities and homework and stuff like that. We try to sit down for dinner, and I think that's really important. I think their palates will broaden, and, you know, um, we're trying to do this thing where everybody eats the same thing. Like, you know what? We're making one meal. That's what everyone's going to eat. It's not always possible. Yeah, um, that's that's but, that's what know. we're trying to do is, like, we, we make her eat what we're eating, and then she'll fight us on it to the point where we'll say, you're not having any ice cream until you've finished what, what we just give you. And then she'll fight us. So what we'll say is, okay, so what we're going to do is you're going to eat this and you don't have to eat this. So we'll give her, we'll basically put more on her plate knowing she's not going to eat it all. And then we'll like give, push a little bit more forward and so you can leave this. And when she sees that she's getting to leave a bigger amount than actually eat, she, she normally will eat, but it's such a struggle. Well, I know when, when we were kids, I'm not sure if it was the same for you guys, but you either ate what was on your plate or you might, couldn't have been that hungry. Yeah, and so yeah. I remember sitting at the dinner table in a battle of wills, and I think one of the pitfalls that parents fall into nowadays is kids have too many choices. Hey, buddy, what do you want for dinner, buddy? It's not the kid's choice. It's the parent's choice. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that kids need parents. They don't need friends. That's and um, so that, that's been something that we've, you know, it's, it's hard and you make mistakes, but that's something that we're at least striving for. And someone told me really early on, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's less fun for you, even if it sucks for everyone, if you draw a line in the sand, you have to hold it. Like, you know what? If you do this again, we're not going to the beach today. Oh, and yeah, if they we... do it again, then you have to actually see that through because if they get the sense that it's malleable or there's some wiggle room there, you're done. Yeah, like my wife does that, and it's annoying sometimes because she'll say, she, she told her once, she said, if you don't do this, then dad's going to take your dollhouse out your bedroom. So she she didn't do it, and then, 
my wife looks at me and says, you're going to have to take the doll out. And I said, do you know how big that thing is? It's from Costco. It's giant. It took us like two <laughs> days to build. And I've got to go in yeah, now and take it out. my weekend. Yeah, and I'm like, where do I put, where do you want me to put it? And she's like, well, I just can't be in there. So I had to bring it out and push it into my son's little tiny bedroom. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I told you we shouldn't have bought this Ikea dollhouse. It has 7,000 <laughs> parts. Oh, it was ridiculous. The doll. I don't know if you've seen it in Costco. It was the one from last year. It looked really good all set up, and the kids loved playing with it on their way past. But you have to build every right. damn thing about it. It was the whole thing was flat packed. Took me forever, and she doesn't even well, play with like the it or thing. not. We're all products of our environment, and the number of times in the run of day, I sound like one of my parents, and I don't even know where it came from. <laughs> but I'm just defaulting to what I know. Um, you know, you kind of do the best you can with where you came from. Exactly. So uh, just t- touching on as well, uh, Trailer Park Boys, we really didn't want to talk much about Trailer Park Boys because, I mean, th- that's how me and Scott became buddies, was, was our love for Trailer Park Boys, and that was my first introduction to you as well. And obviously, Oh, really? I was going to ask how you met. Yeah, it's, well, basically, we, we had, there's, a lot, there's a big group of fans, Trailer Park Boys fans online. Uh, we all used to speak. There was an app called Keek. We all had like a video app. It's a little bit like Snapchat, but it's, I mean, it's kind of old school now. Nobody uses it. But we used to send videos back and forth between the group of us. And one of our friends, his, his nickname was Major. He passed away, sadly. And uh, when, when, he pa- when he passed away, it was like, we obviously, we felt like we'd lost a really big part of us. Like one of our friends had gone, you know, really close with him. So we decided to start doing a podcast in his honor so that, you know, we just, when we spoke with each other, we felt like he was still with us. So that's essentially where oh, the, the podcast came from. But we all came from it's all Trailer Park Boys fans. That's basically where it comes from. And obviously, you left the show last year. So I was just wondering, like, how how you feel now? Do you feel you made the right decision? Do you look back fondly? Do you miss it? Uh, I don't miss it. No, I absolutely have only the fondest memories of my time there. We did the pilot in or the first six episodes in what I think it was the year two thousand. Um, so that is an almost two decade long part of my life, uh, that show. And one of the things that I've always loved about the show is that the fans were so rabid and supportive and critical and in so deep that they would be the first to call wax if something wasn't true or wasn't cool or wasn't funny or was repetitive from a writing standpoint, the challenge with a show like that is people love when the three guys are in the park. And when you take the three guys out of the park, people are like, eh, but it's trailer park boys. When yeah. you bring new people into the park, people are like, eh, we don't like these new characters. So to come up with new ways to say frig off Randy for 10 seasons, three movies and three specials was in, an insane challenge, as you might expect. Oh, yeah. I really felt like, after the Clattenburg years, I really felt like I um, was done with J-Rock. Um, I talk about it a fair bit in the book, actually. I, I ended up going back all in in season nine, and I don't know if you saw it, but J-Rock had a kid, and that felt like new, fertile story storytelling soil. Yeah. Um, because it mirrored what I was doing in my own life, and the idea of J-Rock trying to raise this kid who was actually harder than him, and um, it was like an ABC after school special, but in Jamaican Patois, like, you better brush in sluts, dog, you know what I'm saying? Like, but the parenting themes were true and relatable. That felt new and fresh and original. Season 10, um, J-Rock went to Cancun and came back married, plausible. 
Um, his wife didn't know he wasn't Spanish. Felt bordering on cartoonish, but the fact that he was himself around the guys, but then putting on this front around her felt like, okay, I can, I can get behind that. That's actually pretty funny because J-Rock obviously has a well-established history of trying on different personas, um, you know, like an ill-fitting sport coat. But then the notion of what you would do after that kind of felt like it, it was a little played out. And uh, the Spanish accent thing was like a kind of hats on hats, but kind of funny. And the audience mostly took it for how we intended it, like kind of silly um, commentary. And I, I guess I looked at my own life. I was 40-something. I'm two people's dads, and I'm wearing a do-rag for my job. I kind of felt like... Um, I had exhausted all of the plausible opportunities for the character and wanted to leave while it was still cool and wasn't like, all right, J-Rock, you're played out, man. You Now you're a 50-year-old white rapper. It's not believable. One of the things that was always so funny to me about J-Rock is um, comes down to a line. How many 29-year-old record company presidents live in their mom's trailer, whatever that line was. <laughs> like, that that's really funny to me. And and maybe it comes back to uh, the thing I was saying about what strikes me funny, which is J-Rock's not feeling sorry for himself. So I guess I wanted to leave before it started to feel sad. Yeah. You want to go out on a high as well. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you want to go yeah. on a high, you know, you and you did leave on a high and you rounded it off at 10 seasons as well. So it was it was a nice, you know, round number to 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 leave, I guess. And it's not the but the, the show's not the same without you. Like, well, thanks, man. And and I I obviously don't wish anybody any ill will and they come up with new storylines and new ways to make it fresh every year and the three guys are very <clears throat> bright businessmen and and really have uh, maximized the brand. But I, I've felt every season since it started that it was probably over and had probably run its course. It is still thrilling and inconceivable that you two met over your mutual like of Trailer Park Boys, a show that we thought was in legit Dartmouth dialect, and nobody anywhere else would find it funny. So the yeah. fact that it's lived almost... 20 years and has now thanks to Netflix traveled to every corner of the world is insane oh yeah it's gone massive now like it, I mean, a lot of people back home in England have picked it up that never I'd never heard of it before I mean I'd never heard of it in England until, until I moved here my wife we were she told me that oh there's a show that's filmed around here just to want to let you know like that's not what we're really like so when, if you do see the show on TV that's not she was paranoid that I was going to be like what the hell is this I'm leaving so she right. pre, pre-warm you know that it's this, this TV show and then I ended up seeing it one day and I just fell in love with it straight away like didn't even have to force well, myself to watch it it was is, so funny it aired on BBC America in like season 2 and it was bleeped and it was a little before the office yeah. in North America, so people weren't used to the mockumentary device. And a combination of the fact that it looked like cops and it was bleeped, people were legit confused about whether it was a mockumentary or a documentary. Oh, when yeah, you the... think about it, that's not even that long ago in the big picture. No, it's not. So we really that... far in terms of satire. <clears throat> and it makes sense, because that first season, it, you know, you could what, easily watch that and just be like, what is, are they actually following around convicts? Like, what, what is this? Because it, yeah. was so, it did seem so real, so that would be an easy mistake to make. But one of the things that I've always been so proud of with regards to that show, and this is Mike Clattenburg from day one, he has very um, human 
real lines that shouldn't be crossed. Bubbles is never called the R word or disparaging terms that we use in society sometimes for people with disabilities. Yeah, right. No one calls Randy and Leahy disparaging terms for homosexual couples. Even J-Rock, no, no one rolls their eyes behind his back, really. People just accept him at face value for who he is. And when external forces threaten the residents of the park, the park residents always band together to protect each other. And that's beautiful. And as I say in the book, Clattenburg rounded the hard edges with gut slaps and kitties. And (laughs) Trailer Park Boys did have a big beating heart. And that that was always at its core one of the most um, uh, impactful things, I think, and probably why it's resonated. Everybody knows a Ricky and a Julian and a Bubbles, and everybody can relate to the struggles that they're going through. And their struggles make your own seem pretty mild by comparison. Totally. Right. So can we get, you know, why we're on the trailer park thing? We always get like jingles and all that. Is there any way we can get you to do J-Rock, you know, saying you're listening to Major's Mess Hall or? For you guys, I'll do it. Uh, Even though I hung up the do-rag, I'll do it for Major. How's that? (laughs) All right. Thank you. Hey, what's cracking, y'all? It's your boy, J-Rock. And you're listening to Major's Mess Hall Podcast. <laughs> it's wonderful. Thank you, man, on that. Hey, real, one one last question for Letterkenny, because, you, you know, you mentioned, like, these TV shows and all that, and being from down here, I always got to go look stuff up, man, and, and Google, and then I start getting hooked on TV shows. Did you direct some of the episodes in season three? I didn't. I wrote, um, uh, it will be a total of four. I've written three already. I'm writing a fourth uh, in the next couple of weeks. And that's a show that reminds me of Trailer Park Boys in the early days. It just has a spirit about it and a swagger about it. It is, uh, in the words of Jared Kiso, who is the creator of the show, it is hard. And they don't shy away from uh, conflict and fights and drinking and, you know, intimacy and uh, socioeconomic um, different cliques. Um, it is really uh, funny, but it also is true, man. It, it holds up. It's the real thing. You know, there's one episode where they're sitting by a lake, and I had to, they were ice fishing, and I had to keep rewinding because uh, I was like, wait a minute, that's Jonathan on the radio <laughs> doing their French voice. And, and, and I was like, man, where'd I hear that from? Where'd I hear that from? And then you guys are always doing it. And I was like, damn, he's there too. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you are everywhere on TV up there, it seems like, Mr. Well, D. <laughs> well, I, I like the change up. That's um, one of the things that has served me well for close to 25 years now is, um, you know, I, I try to kind of leave or turn the page before something becomes stale and I think that allows people to imagine me in different ways um, so I'm really fortunate to be able to hop on something like Letterkenny in its uh, kind of infancy um, and, and be a part of it. I guess I was quite vocal about how much I liked the show when it started uh, on Tiger and Torrance and so Jared and I kind of became uh, friends and he listens to Tiger and Torrens and the French Canadian DJ because he lives in Montreal is one of the things that he loves the most. Right. So when they asked me to write one, he said, uh, "How would you feel about doing the French French Canadian DJ?" 
on this episode. And I was like, man, I think that's the very special crossover episode Canada deserves. <laughs> the, the one episode on TNT, it, it had me tearing up in. You you started doing the French voice, and somehow your microphone started echoing. Oh and, yeah, God yeah. And, and 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 honestly, man, my stomach hurt because I started laughing. You get, those, <laughs> you get those little jiggles, man, and you know your stomach starts going a little bit. And <laughs> you guys, honestly, your show is like pure, pure, like goodness, man. And oh, I appreciate I, it. If, if I could figure out a way to make that happen again, I would. But it, it was like a ghost in the machine. I think it's happened twice. Yeah, it's happened yeah. twice. And yeah, both yeah. times it, it just struck us both so funny. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. It's a, it's a warts and all environment. And sometimes the warts are the things that people remember. And, and see, I think that's why everything's so like funny. Because like, it, it's like natural. It's not thought about. It just happens, you know? And... And those moments are the ones that I, like, really look forward to. You know, like, hey, is anything going to happen? Or or what characters are coming on today? But I, I, I do appreciate you, man. I, I appreciate the laughter you've given me, you, you know. as a, And, uh, man, I, I'm a huge fan now, so. Wow, what a nice thing to say, Scott. I, I really appreciate you guys wanting to have me on. This was fun. Yeah, it's, and, been, it's and, been fantastic. Like you, you didn't have to do this. There was no reason for you doing this apart from that. You just, you just, you're a bad, basically. <laughs> well, my pleasure. Um, who should I invoice? <laughs> that was yeah. a joke. Wes, Wes, you can invoice Wes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, the, the city of Green Bank is going to pay for this. Yeah, Perfect. yeah, that's no. Yeah, you'll you'll take care of that. No problem. Pop, population five hundred. <laughs> So, uh, so we're, we're going to the big city. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to let you go, Jonathan. Just, uh, just thanks so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. And, uh, I'll my see- pleasure, lads. I I'll- appreciate your time. I'll see you on the 26th at the taping. Look forward to it, bud. And I'll see you in Toronto, Scott. I'll be there. Okay, man. Have, Take care, have guys. a good night. See you, Thank you. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, this is Maxime Molly, and you're listening to Majors Metal. That was our uh, interview with Jonathan Torrens, and again, man, I really enjoyed that. Gavin, man, I, I, I couldn't have a better partner to talk to, you know, with with these people and all that. And I had a lot of fun, and I hope the listeners enjoyed as much as we did. I just want to tell everyone to check out that podcast because it is really funny. It's the Taggart and Torrance podcast, and you really don't have to be Canadian to understand the humour. It's it's just great. It's a great podcast. Jeremy Taggart is a great guy as well. We'd love to have him on someday. And um, yeah, it was. I mean, it's 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 a fantastic podcast. It's one of our favourite ones. It really is. So to have him on was just uh, the icing on the cake for us, really. And you know, like my question to you after it was over is where do we go from here i know, <laughs> you know well, that's it. i mean we wanted two people in the very beginning wanted two people on the podcast we wanted john dunsworth done we wanted jonathan torrens done yeah you know and and i meant you got people lined up well are in talks with people and again i say you you know you're in talks with people and so are you, These man. Guys... So are you, though. Jokes aside, you are as well. I mean, there's, we don't like naming names, but there's one, there's one celebrity that lives in Chicago, um, which 
it's just difficult. People are very busy and they have agents and you have to go through the agents to do these. Like they won't just accept it on their own. And uh, and this this woman in particular, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about now, Scott. Like she's just very yeah. she's very busy, but you know you're you're chasing that one up, and you know I believe we'll get it one day. I really do. And and I've just there's three people that I've got in the pipeline that have said they're going to do it. It's just a case of working stuff out with their agents and get, picking a time that works for us because there's three different you know some of these people live in the UK, so it's it's three different time zones. It's difficult to time right, you know. But we'll get it in the end. I mean things are just getting bigger and bigger. And that reminds me, I actually, I, I think this episode marks the two-year mark for us. I think this is probably going to be on our two-year anniversary episode. I mean, what a way to mark two years of doing this podcast with an interview with Jonathan Torrance. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, what and, do you think, Craig? <laughs> yeah, um, two years, fucking hell. It feels like it's only been a year. I know, it does, it really does. Um, you know, like, as well, I mean, the fact that it's our two-year mark means that it's also the two-year mark since we lost Dave, uh, Dave Leonard. Obviously, he was known as Major. We called it, that was his name. We called him Major, and that's the, what we named the podcast after. And, yeah, two years two years gone, man. I mean, I'm just so thankful that we're friends with, uh, with Alex, his daughter, because, uh, you know, it's just nice to have a connection with Dave. You know, it's not... I don't feel like he's gone completely because we're friends with her and because we do this podcast, like we've always said, we still feel like he's with us when we do it and that's the, that was the sole reason for starting this podcast was that Dave felt like he was still with us when the three of us talked. So, you know, we are thinking of Dave and uh, and Dave's family as well and uh, and and Alex as well. And I'll be seeing Alex at the uh, Taggart and Torrance TV taping later this month. So looking forward to seeing her. It's been a while. Anyway, that that brings us on to uh, the end of the podcast, and also uh, the mood the the mood of the podcast is going to change slightly now because um, we actually lost someone uh, that was really influential to Major's Mess Hall. Uh, she'd been on as a guest before, and uh, and she'd helped us so much in getting new followers and new listeners, and and she just loved the mess hall. Like she was such a big supporter. Of course, that person I'm talking about is Mary Bootlier, the uh, psychic medium. She passed away. Um, well, it was um, maybe a week ago now. It hit us. It hit was really hard. Like I mean, I, me and Scott told me I knew she wasn't well, and I told Scott she wasn't well. But Scott was the one that broke the news to me, and then I told Craig, and three of us were just like, "What? This, this can't be true." We were just talking to her last week, like not even like last week, like a matter of like two days. We were talking to her, and then just gone. Like it just makes you realise just how precious life is. You know, one second you're there, and the next you're gone. You know, just just sitting here even thinking about it and you know what a what a like great person she was and you know, like we were lucky enough to meet her when I when I came down in March and uh God, I I mean I feel like somebody really close to me got taken away. You know, because we talk so much. I was trying to think of a way that we could pay tribute to, to Mary and I mean, just talking about it doesn't do it justice, and and what I've come up with really doesn't do it justice either. But you know, it's the it's the best I could think of. Basically, I was supposed to do a show with Mary. Mary approached me and asked me to do a, a like a a variety show. She did one with Lee McGuinness, like a variety show where Lee did his thing and she got up and she did psychic readings for the audience. She wanted to do another one with me, and she'd asked me to like you know be a bit of an entertainer, so get up and, and be like a funny guy. 
and and obviously she knows I sing, so she wanted me to sing, uh, you know, some songs, and she'd requested that I sing Adele's Hello, and where the venue was, it was a little further away than I would like, and it was short notice, she'd asked me, and it was like less than a month, and I was like, you know what, I can't give this 100%, it's not, I don't, I don't want to do anything that I can't give 100% to, so I'm not going to do Plus. it. Go ahead. Plus, it was, it was a week before the pub crawl, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was just, it was bad timing. So I, I told her, and I was really upset that I couldn't do it, and I told her, and she was really understanding, and she said, it's not a problem, you know, we'll do something in the future, it's fine. And never sat, never sat well with me that I turned her down, and obviously now I feel even more regrettable that I didn't do it. So what I've done is I've recorded a version of Adele's Hello, and I'm going to play it out now. Um, you know, rather than just finish with our normal outro music, I'm just going to play my version of Adele's Hello, and it's for Mary. So it's just because she'd asked me to sing the song, and I never got a chance to. So this one's for Mary. So just to play us out, I just want to read on behalf of the three of us, uh, we'd like to dedicate uh, this episode to our friend Mary Bootlier, who passed away last week. She'll be forever in our hearts and on our minds, and we'll never forget the support she showed us over the past year. We'll not only miss her support, but most of all, her friendship. Our thoughts go out to her daughter, Remy, who we would like to offer our full support in any way, shape, or form. So raise your glasses, lads, to Mary. To Mary. To Mary. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet To go over everything They say time's supposed to heal ya But I ain't done much healing Hello, can you hear me? I'm in Nova Scotia dreaming about who we used to be When we were younger and free I've forgotten how it felt before the world fell at our feet There's such a difference between us and a million miles Typical of me to talk about myself I'm sorry, I hope that you will 
Did you ever make it out of that town where nothing ever happened? It's no secret that the both of us are running out of time. So hello from the other side. I must have called a thousand times to tell you I'm sorry for everything that I've done. But when I Doesn't tear you apart anymore